Hi, you're listening to Tales from the Jungle, Living with Addiction. This is a podcast written and produced by a mom of an addict, specifically for other families who live with and or interact with an addicted family member. The work life of an addict can be a double-edged sword. They need to support themselves, but it can also lead them down dark alleys. In addition, when and how they choose their dating partners can be equally messy. In this episode, I'm talking about the pitfalls to watch for and, and what, if anything, can be done. Welcome back, Jungle fans. Today is all about work and dating, maybe two of the most important topics to a recovering addict. While it's impossible to address the skill sets of all addicts and and generalize them into one group, some are well-educated, others have high school degrees, others have GEDs. Many of them tend to gravitate toward uh, jobs like the restaurant business, which is a, an all-cash business. And there's so many issues with having a restaurant-type job where half their income is in cash. Now, with COVID and things like that, I think a lot of that's changed where people are only relying on credit cards now, and it's done a little bit better job probably of that cash aspect. But any kind of job even hairstyling, anything like that, where they're getting cash tips, things like that, it makes it too easy for cash to be readily available for them to go out and purchase drugs because it's there burning a hole in their pocket and it's not being a a monthly or biweekly paycheck with a standard job that they are able to allocate for their rent, food, all their utilities on a normal budgeting type atmosphere. And so it tends to promote the idea of going out. And the other thing is, and I don't want to put all restaurants in this same category, but it's amazing how many restaurants have drug dealing in the back rooms. Um, it's it, with the anywhere from the servers to the busboys to the dishwashers. There are many who are dealing and it grows more prolific based on the dre- demographics of where the restaurant's located. If it's in an area where there's a lot of tourism and things like that, it tends to be even worse because of all the people from out of town who are looking to score, different things like that. And everyone knows, oh, I can go to my nearest restaurant and I'm sure I can find someone who can deal for me. Um, the other thing is that, um, the workers that it attracts are going to be others who are looking to do the same kind of thing where they, it's known in the industry. People know that there's a lot of dealing going on. So the question becomes once an addict gets clean, are they really wanting to stay clean if they're looking for a job in the restaurant area? Now they could argue, well, that's where my skill set is. That's what I know. 
But that doesn't mean that that's the only thing they can do and they don't have talents elsewhere. They may have to lower themselves down to doing retail or doing something else that they don't like while they're learning a trade or learning a way to do something. But I think it really is telling as far as what kind of jobs a person, a recovering addict is actually looking for, because that really shows their mindset of what they're thinking. They know that it's risky going back into a restaurant. They know that that's going to be a draw for them and hard to stay sober. And there's usually drinking in a lot of the restaurants as well. And that kind of atmosphere promotes more of that same kind of party attitude of hustling and dealing and all of that. The question becomes, if they are going out and getting a job and they're going to be supporting themselves and not relying on other people to support them, how much say-so do loved ones in their lives have to be able to influence what they're doing and where they're getting a job? My suggestion would be to present your views and attitudes on it explain that you're not extremely happy about their choice of of um, professions at the current time and that you understand it may be a, more of a hardship for them to get a job somewhere else, but you also understand what a risk it is for them to go right back into the restaurant business, around maybe around people that they know in the community and so on. It's a really good sign if they're willing to have an open discussion about it and explain their plan and how they intend to stay sober. If they become argumentative and don't want to hear it and that kind of thing, it's pretty obvious that they know that it's a problem, but they want to do it anyway. And you can't stop them. I mean, if that's what their plan is, you just have to understand that. But you have to make decisions for yourself and keep yourself sane in the meantime, knowing that this is the path they want to go down and how much contact you want to have with them at that time is up to you. Um, but what I've come to realize is that for me, whether or not I've had to help Casey out with, with financial support or not, sometimes appropriately, sometimes not, I needed to stay as a positive influence in her life. I had talked to many addicts while we were on this journey and asked them, the successful ones, I would ask, what was it? What really helped you during the process? Some, some of them had to do it all on their own and had no family contact. But the ones who did have family contact were the ones who said, I put my parents through hell. No matter what I did, they still were there. They, While they weren't enabling me, they were still supportive emotionally. They showed that they still loved me. But that was so important, and that's what really finally brought me back. And I keep coming back to that idea and always trying to picture that. What does that look like and, and emulate that? And I think it's helped. I think along the way that viewpoint has helped, even though little by little we've withdrawn financial support, we've done less and less, and yet my 
relationship with Casey has not deteriorated. I think it's gotten better because I can be more honest about things. I don't feel like I'm constantly tipping, tiptoeing around topics and always worried about making her mad. I honestly don't care if she gets mad, and if she does, I need to look at it. Is she being reasonable? Am I being reasonable? And why are we arguing? Is it a a topic that we need to really discuss? Is it an open wound from the past or is it something to do with her addiction and she gets more touchy when she's starting to fall back in that spiral? So it's all a circular type of thing of the reflection that I'm always talking about, looking at it and saying, what is this and how does it look? There are a couple other issues with working that I do want to touch on before I move on to dating. And that is uh, an addict who's not working can tend to sit around and get bored. And boredom is definitely one of the things to cause a relapse. I know that in some halfway houses and uh, rehab places, they intentionally cause boredom for the addicts in order to teach them how to deal with it. Do they need to do meditation? Do they need to do prayer? What is it they need to do in those times of boredom? Because no one can be busy all the time. No one can do things all the time where you're not bored ever. And that those times of boredom need to be dealt with. And so it's a matter of teaching the tools for how to deal with boredom in constructive ways and and replacing the addict behaviors with new behaviors of a constructive sort. I know Casey started painting and now when she has downtime and she gets really bored, she does do some painting. She does, she likes watching videos. There's different things that she does. She does have strategies for that. And I think it's so important for every addict, every recovering addict to have some kind of strategy to deal with boredom. The other piece of this is control. And control is such a monumental area of addiction because enabling people as well as addicts are all looking for that control. Part of the reason people do enabling is in order to get control of the situation, while addicts use partly in order to have control over their bodies and and their decisions. And that becomes this power struggle of control. And it's... That's the other thing is it's so important not to get in that power struggle. Cut it off before you see yourself going there. And if you find that you're trying to tell them how they need to work, where they need to work, that's not going to work in the long run. They're not going, if they're in their addiction or they're recovering, they're not going to want to listen to that because Part of their recovery is learning to make decisions for themselves and learning to take responsibility for those decisions instead of letting someone else make the decisions for them and they can blame everyone else for everything that goes wrong. They have to really understand their decisions and their actions have consequences and they have to live through those consequences. And if they can blame someone else for the decisions, then they feel that they have a way out of those consequences because it's someone else's fault. So someone else should save them. And it's, they need to get through that and they need to understand 
that they're growing into adulthood, they need to make these decisions and learn how to do them properly. And a big part of their life is going to be work and they need to choose appropriate work. So you can encourage them. You can give them ideas on maybe things they can try, but let them make the decision. And the decision they make will give you an idea, a glimpse into the uh, recesses of are they heading back down toward relapse or are they really working the system and t- really trying to get well? And they'll never be a hundred percent. Well, they'll always be recovering, but they want to be on that road so that they have a pattern of recovery. The next topic I want to touch on in this episode is dating and It's very difficult to tell an addict who they can and cannot date. They are recommended in the halfway houses and rehabs to wait a year before they get into any kind of relationship or start dating. But most of the time, they don't listen to that. They really are going to do what they're going to do. And it becomes a question of whether they're people they're dating, are they recovering addicts as well? Are they looking to stay recovering or are they going to relapse? And then being around someone who's relapsed is going to drag uh, your loved one right back down that path. And I don't know how to approach this one because this is something I've struggled with forever. When I talked to Casey about it and we work on who talk about who she dates and what what her options are and so on one of her comments is the she's only around addicts she doesn't have a way to really meet other people um, she worked in the restaurant business for so long that she's just now getting into other areas of business and unless it's an area where you can meet regular people who aren't addicts then it's really tough to start dating people who aren't addicts. And that's been an issue for her the entire time um, that she's been using. All the people that she's dated have either been in recovery or are full-blown addicts. And at first she thought she could save them, and all it did was drag her down. And then after that, she thought, well, they could both work the program together and help each other. And it works for a while until one of them relapses. And then with one relapse, the other one is not far behind. And so it's really a matter of being strong enough to take control over whether she wants to stay sober or not. And the question is, can it really work for two addicts to date each other, two recovering addicts to date each other? I don't know. I don't, I haven't seen a relationship where it has worked. Most of the experts at the halfway houses and, and rehab say it doesn't work. Um, they're recovering addicts themselves. They probably know, but I haven't found a way to get Casey to start dating other people. So I don't know. She's still in recovery. She's still doing better. Um, it's a day-by-day thing, and I'll just have to wait and see how it goes. One of the things that I do know, though, is, some, is something Dr. Phil always says, is you teach people how to treat you. And 
this is just something thrown in on the side here, but you have to really pay attention to what you're doing and how you're doing it when you're dealing with your loved one who's a recovering addict. Because if you allow them to get away with things with you, that's teaching them that they can do that. And even if it's okay in one instance, but not later on, they're going to keep doing it. They're going to keep pushing those boundaries and keep trying to get away with it. So I would suggest that you create your boundaries as soon as possible, hold those boundaries and not let them cross them. Um, I unfortunately don't have better advice on the dating world because I haven't been able to navigate that well. But I do know addicts who have come out of that, who have had relationships with people who are not recovering addicts, and they've gone on to lead very productive lives. It's just that I don't know where we are in that process with Casey, and we'll just have to wait and see how it plays out. Well, Jungle fans, I think I've come to the end of my topics. My purpose in doing this podcast has been to share what I've learned, and and I want to stay true to that purpose. From time to time, I may post bonus episodes if I believe I have enough information that'll be helpful, but right now, I just don't think that I have enough to post future episodes other than those bonus episodes. I may even come back with a new series at some later date, but at this point, I just don't know. So I'm asking, please practice self-care, give yourself grace, and find the fun in life again. Please remember, an addict's outcome is based on their own decisions. You're allowed to enjoy your life no matter their circumstances. You finding the fun again can even prove as a great role model for them. So here I am, signing out, and I want to say so long. And I hope to be back soon. Yours always, Chelsea. Music is Riding the Dragon by Movie Theater. <laughs>